0: Oh, and welcome to episode 127 ish. 127 ish, we're going to call it. Um, because I, we've already released 128 and 129 by now. But uh, of the Book Wars Pod, um, we are back talking about Resistance Reborn by Rebecca Roanhorse, doing our long awaited wrap up for this book. And we have a very special guest uh, that we are so happy to have join us um Rana at Rana Lapine on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. Super excited to get to nerd out a little bit.
0: Yes, it's going to be great. Um, So we are, as I said, talking about Resistance Reborn. We are also recording earlier than usual. Uh, I know that our wonderful producer is hungover to shit. Um, I am. So when I ask what we're all drinking, I am drinking coffee. Uh, (laughs) It's not my fault. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, it? It's it's kind of your fault. It's a little your fault.
2: It's not my fault. Um, I what did I? This is beer. I, I <laughs> got a beer. Not um, your fault. Big hazy cane hazy IPA. Oh yeah, <laughs> six point seven percent. It is eleven twenty a.m. From our good friends at Migration Brewing, which is the reason I'm hungover. I love it. It's I fine. Love I it. had, I had two cups of coffee already, so I've been up for a while. It's fine. And only... let's
1: not ignore that it's your birthday. You should be drinking. It
2: yeah, is yeah. Kristen's birthday.
1: Don't think that.
2: <sighs> Unfortunately, sorry to put you out there. But... No, it's all good. <laughs> um, thank you. I love Star Wars. That's <laughs> how much I love it. Um <laughs> of enthusiasm <laughs> and happiness. I know, I know. Miranda, are you drinking? What are you drinking?
3: I've got some water.
2: Okay, well,
3: it's whatever. it's a little early for me to. You <laughs> drink? I've been drinking a lot of beer the last couple of days, so I'm gonna mm-hmm. pretend to be responsible for an yeah. hour. I'm so sweaty.
2: Um. Okay. Great. I, Chris, are you drinking? You're just drinking regular coffee. Is it from somewhere?
0: I'm drinking coffee. It is from uh, the beans are from Boxcar Coffee Roasters in Boulder. Um, they're great. Um, yeah, that's 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 what I got. Rana, are you drinking anything this morning?
1: Nothing exciting. Um, last night I was drinking exciting things, and so now I'm drinking a, a probiotic tea. <laughs> Ginger, I love peach it. peach and turmeric. <laughs> that's my uh, very my exciting. stomach is not excited by quarantine wine socialization and the. Uh, hazy fire smoke out on the balcony so not it wasn't quarantine wine like prison wine i'm not gonna go blind or anything (laughs) it was regular wine yeah it was actually more actually created behind a toilet yeah Yeah. yeah, thankfully not it's not you know if things get worse we'll see but uh (laughs) so now i have some nice probiotic tea here
0: i Uh, love it any any location is a winery if you believe (laughs) oh
1: my god (laughs) exactly that's what they say in southern Maryland. maryland Oh my
3: god.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I should just be drinking kombucha, is what I should be drinking, but here we are. Why not? Oh, be- I'm also drinking a pineapple spindrift, which is my least favorite spindrift flavor, but it's a cold water that was in the fridge, so I'll be drinking it. It's a, little, it's a little sweet for me. I didn't think pineapple is a little sweet. I like it if I water it down. Anyway, okay, I'm turning myself down now. <laughs> Enjoy your Star Wars.
0: <laughs> um, awesome. So we are all doing rate this morning as is very clear um but let's talk about star wars and so obviously resistance reborn we talked about it for a few episodes we talked about um what kind of it does with the characters where it's how it takes place between last jedi and rise of skywalker but we haven't really talked about it and rise of skywalker like as an entity and like obviously this was released as the quote-unquote journey to the rise of skywalker publishing line and how how do people feel about it like what did, did it make well I cannot talk this morning did it make you like Rise of Skywalker more did it make you like it less did it feel completely unconnected what are your thoughts Rana would you like to start as our wonderful special guest
1: Sure, thank you. I'm I'm always uh happy to yell out my opinions as anyone who follows me on social media knows. Um yeah, I felt I mean, I was not a huge fan of The Rise of Skywalker and I felt like there were a lot of things that I was confused about in the film. I would say one point of that was answered by the book, but then there were other things that seemed like, I don't know, I don't want to be too critical. Um and it's not on Rebecca Roadhorse, it's totally not on her. But I just felt like did they still not know what the movie was going to be about when they told her the directives in the book? Like I feel so bad for her. She's brilliant. She wrote this great thing, but like it has nothing to do with the movie except for like one tiny plot point. So I was a little, uh, I felt kind of bad for her. I think she deserved to get to work with more plot and, you know, interesting things. But yeah, it just kind of enforced my idea that no one knew what the fuck was going on. Sorry, am I to swear? It's oh yeah. Oh god, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so this, I don't know how not to. So. Uh, <laughs> this
3: podcast is not safe for children. So uh, no, okay, it's yeah. not. I uh, so- sorry.
1: I guess I if we have... started off talking about hangovers, it's probably fine.
2: yeah. We're
3: it's fine. Everything's
2: fine. Yeah, we we, we
1: jumped really the shark on.
0: long ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, cool. Just want to make sure before I get out of myself. So yeah, it re- it just uh, reinforced that for me. Um, but I mean, overall, like good. But those issues have nothing to do with Rebecca Horse. Yeah. Can
3: I ask which plot
1: point you found that actually matched up? Yeah, um, just like where did all these people come from in the end when they? Because uh, mm-hmm. like, I, I was like, what? Like, you're why are you two? You know, the last movie, no one responds, and now all of a sudden, miraculously, you have thousands of people show up at once. And, and at least now I have like a little tiny bit of canon to say, oh, that could be why. Like, there's one line that Poe says of, "We'll call on you when it's time." something like that and I was like
3: okay that's the connective piece I guess yeah see I that was actually one of the things I was confused about like reading this and then thinking back to the movie because like obviously a big part of resistance reborn is like trying to rebuild the resistance and recruit people you know for the cause um But then they're just nowhere to be found through most of the rise of Skywalker. (laughs) And it's like, oh, we're going to go try to get Lando and some other people uh, because there's nobody out there. It's literally three people. Um, And then, like, everybody shows up. Yeah. Somehow. And it's like, did Lando convince them all to...
1: Well, and I think it need. some things that were exciting in The Rise of Skywalker, well, one thing I was like, I'm a big, definitely like focused on original trilogy and my Star Wars nerdiness, um, which I guess makes me less nerdy because it's like the most mainstream version. But um, I, uh, I was so excited. One of the only things I really enjoyed in The Rise of Skywalker was that Wedge and Tilly shows up and I was like, oh my God. And then I think I would have been more worried about him in the book if I read the book before the movie, but I wouldn't have been as excited in the movie that he shows up because mm-hmm. I was yeah. Yeah. But, you know, not a major point there.
0: Yeah, for sure. I was... Another, like... It felt like this book was, like... Not a, Like... I totally agree with you. It didn't feel like they had figured out the movie entirely when this book was being written. And, like... It confused me why Lando wasn't in this book. Other than to, like... Yes! Keep the, like... Impression that this was the first time he'd had contact with the Resistance. But also Leia knew how to contact him in the movie so like i was just i'm kind of unsure about that i don't and this kind of goes to um and we've talked about Reza skywalker at length in the past i don't think they knew what to do with lando in that movie besides just have him in it
1: i mean they couldn't even figure out a new costume
0: yeah okay thank you (laughs) thank you
1: i I wanted new capes.
0: yeah Oh God! This is this, it's so real. I've I have so many thoughts. Sorry, I don't no, want no, to no. be too
1: critical. I told myself I wouldn't be that person. Oh, No, we are we are, we are not podcast. a
0: huge <laughs> pro Rise of Skywalker. We're 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 pro all Star Wars, but Rise of Skywalker yeah, exactly. had some had some things. Um, but yeah, like it it didn't feel exactly like you said. It just didn't feel very connected. I liked that they threw in a line about like. Hey, are you going out with Rose? No, it was just heat of the moment. Which was, like, fine. I'm still bitter that Rose was cut out of Rise of Skywalker for the most part. Yeah. So, like, I almost wish that they had stayed together. But it's fine. We we talked on previous episodes about how, basically, Rebecca Roanhorse uh, said, as, like, when this book came out, there was only one thing that J.J. told her that she had to take out or couldn't put in. And our theory is that she... Uh, made Finn and Poe gay in this book and when she was told that she couldn't have them be gay she just literally took like one paragraph out and left the rest of it in <laughs>
1: there's a lot of like exchanging emotional glances and mm-hmm. hands on the shoulder which not to say male contact is automatically homoerotic or something but at the same time like
3: there yeah I
1: see some some subtext there for sure
3: It's super gay in this book. Like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, Poe is just gonna take Finn to the dance, you know? (laughs) Um, But see, that also makes me think that, like, nobody, you know, just to verify, like, nobody knew what the fuck The Rise of Skywalker was gonna be about, because it's almost like, oh, shit, she wrote Poe and Finn as being super gay. We gotta throw in a character and a film to show you that
1: Poe is definitely not gay. I would presume they must have like um i totally forgot what i was gonna say i presume that's why ray isn't really a big part of the book because they were like well we'll find out what happens there in the movie i feel like they just didn't know where to go with that
0: yeah i i'm totally with you like i it's interesting because so like i'm just thinking back to like so jj was announced as the person who was going to do nine like right before last jedi came out i think Mm -hmm. No, i think
1: after because it was partially Sorry.
0: What was it after? No, no, no. Go.
1: I think, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I think it was after because a lot of people were probably incorrectly theorizing that part of it had to do with the backlash of all the people who hate it, which I liked the last Jedi, but I know a lot of people did not. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I had read maybe incorrectly that, um, that that was part of the like response because there are all those like retcons in the rise of Skywalker about <laughs> the last Jedi. So yeah. that was the, what I had heard now maybe is that accurate? I don't know. It's the internet, but.
0: Yeah, that, that could very well be right. So somewhere somewhere within the realm of oh release God. of The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, yeah. But And then this book, I know, came out obviously right before Rise of Skywalker. Publishing timelines are probably about, like, year to year and a half-ish for IP work like this. So, like, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that a lot of parts of Rise of Skywalker were not finalized when this book was had to go to the publisher because like wasn't
1: there an interview recently where some of the actors said they didn't know what was going to go on with certain plot lines while they were filming early parts of the film
0: yep absolutely and there's like i know the ray um lineage question was in question until like midway through filming i know there's like yeah so like i think that's exactly right so i do think that a big part of the question of when, where we're all like, why doesn't this connect to Rise of Skywalker? I think just the timeline just didn't work for it. Um, you know, for yeah. for better or worse. Um, and I know, you know, there are people who love Rise of Skywalker. I am happy for you. Love, love movies you love. Watch them. Be happy. Yeah. There's not enough happy so in 2020. I, you were right. Oh, was I? You
1: were right. I was wrong. Yeah, it was September of uh, 2017 that they announced it. Okay, no, we
0: yeah, were... so that's, it's within, like, a month or two. We were, we were both close.
3: Okay.
1: No, yeah, we, we also love The Last Jedi
0: on this podcast.
1: Yeah, I thought it was really good. <laughs> it's a great it's, film. It's fine.
0: It was very enjoyable.
1: Glad to be on a podcast with you three and not, uh, not some people who may feel very differently. It's fine.
0: Yeah, not just a enjoyable. bunch of, like, bros, not, hashtag not my Luke Skywalker, et cetera. To be
1: fair, I don't think they read a lot of books, so they probably wouldn't have this podcast. But
0: Accurate. Accurate. Um...
1: <laughs> Sorry, maybe that's too harsh.
0: <laughs> oh, God, no.
1: Yeah,
0: no. I don't think we... you'd come to
1: the same conclusions if you read
0: We don't really have anything. what you would call limits on this podcast. <laughs> um, But yeah, so another thing that I want to talk about in this book is Leia. Because we get a lot of Leia in this book. And we talked in previous episodes about how, like, the Leia depiction fits with how we've seen her in the past. And also, she's just extremely tired, like, very worn out, like, kind of at the end of her rope as we see her at The Last Jedi with her, you know, the galaxy has lost all hope and she's trying to recover from that. But it's very clear that she doesn't really want to train Rey in this book. And that obviously, that's a huge difference from what we see in Rise of Skywalker. And I assume that's because, you know, they wanted to keep it a secret. J.J. loves his mystery box, etc. But, like, again, it's just one more aspect where it just doesn't feel like these two pieces of media talked to each other at all.
1: Yeah. I really liked the way that Leia was portrayed in this, just because she was so human, Um, which I guess is a relative term in Star Wars. But just in the sense that, you know, she was able to um be sad at moments and be like you can just feel her exhaustion as you would expect after that long of you know blow after blow um and so i really liked that representation of her and i felt like it was maybe a little bit more not that you care about realism and sci-fi but it was a little bit more realistic as like emotions go um to see i think one of the the challenging things throughout star wars that is that all the men get to be tired and like get to have these things happen to them and they're so sad like Luke knew Obi-Wan for like 46 hours and he's like devastated and then you're like oh hey she's lost her home planet it's cool uh, she'll, she'll come to you don't worry um, and I feel like that's just such a, a common theme throughout Star Wars that it's kind of nice to be like oh you're sad about having a cup of tea and you just want to go to sleep. I mean, I feel that way now, and it's just been a couple months of this pandemic, so I can't imagine that life. Yeah, this I have a bad feeling about this.
3: I think w- we touched on it in one of our, like, during the book episodes, but this is literally the first time we get to see her, like, actually process any emotion. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's wonderful, but also, like, what the fuck? Like, we only let her, you know feel her feels at what we now know is the end of her life like
0: congratulations you made it to your 60s you can have feelings now
1: (laughs) it's over now i did want it made me want to go read bloodline which i never read um to see if it had that same sort of i've heard mixed things about it um and i wanted to see if maybe it had that same sort of humanizing like oh yeah people have feelings and it's not just like plot 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 plot
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um like development i guess is the word there (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it made me, like, kind of interested to go read that, Um, just to see a little bit more of that get inside of her head a little more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Bloodline is something that we read for any listeners who want to read. I want to say it was episodes four through eight of the podcast, so way back in the day. Um, It was. yeah, I
2: just just checked, Chris, that is right, four through eight. Yay, that's, like, the
0: only one I remember. That's the only one I ever remember the episodes because, like, we just (laughs) talk about Bloodline all the time. Um,
2: I was gonna say I think we were all fans of Bloodline if I'm remembering correctly. Um, it is Blood very Grey is good.
0: <laughs> it's interesting because I want to reread it post Rise of Skywalker because there are parts of it that don't make sense now, um, particularly parts where she's talking about how she never became a Jedi. Um, <laughs> but um, you do get a lot of the you get the backstory between Leia and uh, Ransom Castorfo in this book. Um, you get kind of just the formation of the resistance and what led Leia to do it. And you get, like, obviously as a book about Leia, you get a lot of phenomenal Leia characterization. Um, Claudia Gray is is unmatched in her writing of Leia for, for whatever people think about the plot of the book. Um, so, yeah, definitely recommend.
1: I have some listening to do. And reading, but, you know, why not both?
0: I mean, yeah. Por qué no los dos. Um... So let's talk about some of the other characters and, like, how we felt like they were portrayed in this versus in the movies. And, obviously, Rise of Skywalker is the big one, but also the other movies. Like, so Rey, we don't get a lot of Rey in this, but she is, like, a thousand percent, like, obviously she's not Han's actual daughter, but she is Han's, like, metaphorical, <laughs> spiritual uh Whatever, whatever you want to say, she has Han's personality in this book. <laughs> like, from the uh, the Han system, or the... Uh, I don't even remember what planet she said they were from, but in the Han system, and like, being so happy with herself, with this terrible excuse that nobody bought, um, very A New Hope vibes, to just her, like, kind of unpolishedness in this book, I want to say. um, You know, she's very... Learning as she goes, which I feel like is something that's kind of quintessentially Han Solo, that we don't give that latitude to a lot of other characters, particularly female characters.
3: Uh, Everything's under control. Situation normal.
0: Um, But yeah, what did y'all think?
3: I think I agree with that. Um, And, you know, I think that's... You know, if we want to talk about Leia having space to feel her feels like... I think there's something kind of similar going on with Rey. Um, You know, in uh, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, like, you know, it's all plot. There's some kind of evil she's trying to learn from Master Skywalker and having some weird Force visions. Uh, But this one is like, okay, shit. Like, what am I actually doing? Like, now that there's not, you know, an immediate crisis, like, she's left to kind of figure it out. And that's a lot for anyone to handle. But especially when everyone's like, oh, hey, you have the force. Can you save us?
1: Yeah, I think it was helpful because so often, um, you know, we see people who just automatically like not in Star Wars, but in like fiction in general, people just instantly mesh with the group and they're 100% in there and they know everyone and they're dependable immediately. And it was nice that there was a little bit of, not friction, but just like, you know, she was lingering on the edges of things. She was trying to fit in. And it was just nice to see that, um, I think, when so often it's like, you have magical abilities, you can do anything. Um, And I think in reality, it would probably be quite a culture shock, right, to all of a sudden have this moment um, where she's able to be a part of a, like, you know, crumbling resistance. So... Yeah, I I liked that depiction for sure. And I do like what you said about yeah, she's sort of learning on the go and um yeah, I don't have more to add there, though awkward, but you get it.
0: No, for sure. And one thing I love about this book is that you really get the feeling that like two weeks ago or how you know, however long, a very short amount of time ago, she was on Jakku living in her bombed out ATAT. Like yeah. you get the feeling of like the really compressed nature of the timeline of the first two movies from this and how even though we know her as an audience because we got to see her interactions with Luke and with Kylo Ren when she was on Octo and when she was on uh, Snoke's ship. Like, everybody else doesn't necessarily have that. And so she's kind of an enigma to everybody else. And I, I felt like that came across really well. And then... We, of course, have Poe, who is, in many ways, the main character of this book. Um, I just, there's there's a lot to say about Poe, but I just love how it's now canon that Poe is obsessed with his hair.
1: Yes. He has great I hair. Couldn't even, I just kept underlining, and I never write in books, but I did before this. It's erasable, don't worry. Um, I kept uh, underlining all the references to his hair. I was like, all right, I get it. You know, If I had curls like that, I would do the same. So...
0: Miranda, you were about to talk. Go.
3: No, I thought I had a thought, and then I took the deep breath in to say the thought, but then I didn't have one. So I'll just reiterate that um, he, he does have great hair. <laughs>
1: Everyone knows And it's it. nice to see there's a brain under it, right? Like Apparently. I think he's so often depicted as, like, um, you know, the, he gets called that in The Last Jedi a bunch of times as, like, a trigger-happy flyboy, which is fair. Like, we like that, too. But it was nice to see some introspection, I think, and a little bit of self-doubt and all of that. Um, You know, I thought it was useful. As a self-doubting person, I was like, yes, this is what I want to read. Yeah. Yeah.
3: We
1: we saw that,
3: and we also saw him, like, thinking through decisions, which was new because, you know, all the content we've gotten before, it's just like, If I click this button, something will go boom. And I like making things go boom. And now it's like, okay, you know, strategizing, like getting out of the party. What's it called? Auction, whatever was going on. um, That turned into a real bad time. Um, You could see him like, okay, like here's what we need and here's what we have. And like, how do I make those match up? And we've, you know, that it, it's just something we hadn't seen before from him. And I think it's, like, fantastic. It gives him depth. It shows him maturing. Um, shows him showing off his hair.
0: Yeah. I, And one thing that Poe's arc in this book does is it lets us look at redemption in a way that doesn't center Kylo Ren. Um, Thank you. And because, you know, he talks and he has that very brutal conversation with maz where she's like yeah i don't know that i trust you to do it right at this time so i'm gonna keep my powder dry on this one for joining the resistance and it's like it kind of gives us this question of like we know Poe's a hero that is unquestionable but we also know that he fucked up in the last jedi and he knows that he fucked up like that's not something that he would argue with and just seeing him earn the forgiveness of other people, but also forgive himself, is a really interesting process that we don't see a lot of as explicitly in Star Wars.
1: Yeah, and I, I liked that people questioned him, like you said with Maz or that scene. Um, I forget the guy's name now, but the older Resistance member who mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, really wants to like throw down, you know, and blame him for everything that's happened. I was like, all right. It's nice to see that, I think, in a group dynamic, because so often it's like, you are a hero. I follow hero. hero. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, good to see some pushback. And I yeah. think
3: that is also something that is obviously influenced by, like, our perspective. We know, we, the readers, the viewers, the fans, um, <laughs> we know Poe's a hero because he's marketed as such. You know, that, that's the whole vibe, like... Oh, he's one of, the, you know, the three people in the little thing of characters, <laughs> trio. Words, etc. Thank cetera. you. One of the three people Thank of you. the trio. Thank you. <laughs> A little redundant, but it's fine. <laughs> um like we have that knowledge as an outside, you know, viewer, but everybody he's interacting with, it's just like, oh, here's this pilot, we kind of know him. You know, here's the things we know about him. Good pilot bad decisions (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah,
3: like they they have no reason to believe that you know he can make it right and he can find a path to forgiveness they're just like what the fuck did you do why are you so bad at this
1: not to bring up the rise of Skywalker again but I feel like there was he has like another redemption arc in the rise of skywalker but not around what happens in the last jedi but around that like bizarre plot line around spice trading and yeah. which i think was stupid um like just since we already have an established history but um at the same time i feel like well look here's what we could have done with redemption in this movie right as opposed to needing to add this like bizarre plot line about drug trafficking like I don't know, it seemed very out there. Um, and so I, I kind of like the fact that, well, we had the road set for redemption already. Um, and there were plenty of other struggles that could have happened.
0: Yeah, and absolutely another way in which it just didn't feel like Rise of Skywalker was connected really to either Last Jedi or Resistance Reborn in a lot of ways because it just kind of ignored that, but then like, made, gave Poe that weird backstory and then he and Finn were arguing for no. We're like very mean to each other for no reason it was very weird um but yeah and so I think Poe obviously like is one of the main characters of this book and so gets the most depth but he is very we see a lot of different layers to him that we don't see in the movies for sure and I just love that Poe much like Oscar Isaac knows exactly how attractive he is (laughs) just the best
1: just keeping it realistic you know it's good to be
2: self-aware.
0: Noopa Oh my god. Sorry, the weird Ewok noise just completely <laughs> took over anything else that was in my brain. Um, That's why I'm here. <laughs> I, exactly. Um, so, a couple other things in this book that just like kind of looking at how they contribute to our understanding, not just of like this smaller story, but the larger story of Star Wars overall is one thing that i found really interesting is the difference between the empire and the first order and like the empire we see through um through tezza's eyes and she like obviously has like gotten very hardcore in the intervening years is like a warlord with her own like fight club and it's amazing (laughs) but um but we also see the first order and like I feel like we get, we have the feeling of the Empire from the original movies and from other books that we've read that they're very bureaucratic and like it's a lot of kind of the classic people were doing bad things because they were disguised as not doing bad things, like they were disguised as like paperwork and all that shit. Whereas the First Order, it's very clear that they're doing bad things and no one cares,
3: mm-hmm. including like with the paperwork.
0: Yes. Even Literally, the paperwork. You get to see
3: paperwork. <laughs> that's like, that's the whole thing. <laughs> it's like,
0: can you fill out form evil one hundred and four n? Like,
3: <laughs> yeah. The the empire was like a really well oiled machine, and like everybody had a job, and you could just like very casually do it, not have any concept of what it's actually like providing to the empire, and you know the chaos and genocide they like to sow across the galaxy. Um, but we see here, you know, a regular, regular, you know, heavy air quotes, a bureaucrat who's like, look at this evil stuff I'm doing. I'm just going to beat the shit out of one of my employees because I don't think she's dedicated enough to this. Like, it, it's much more of a, a cause. Um, and I think the people who find success in the First Order... Even in the bureaucracy, um, they tend to be more. If I had a word. Zealous?
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe? Yeah.
3: Go with that.
1: Yeah, I thought that that character was really well done because it um, was such a common concept of just like the internalization that he has around hating himself, hating his own mother. When he talks about his experience in religious school, I was like, I'm, I'm not saying at all that this was written, like, I'm sure any non Native author would have done that. But what I thought of was because it was written by a Native author, I was thinking about all the people who have like tons of trauma from residential schools and then had that trauma. And, you know, I, there are a lot of people who are still suffering from that. And a lot of times that trauma, just becomes violence, right? And um, I was thinking about that. And when he talks about there multiple times, he talks about his own mother and how he doesn't want to see her and how he's so disgusted by where he comes from. And I think everyone of every background has met people like that who have internalized that hatred and then become a part of the system. And I feel like when you're watching these movies, because it's all in space and all that, it's easy to just think of these people as antagonists and like, oh, whatever, they're just purely villainous because they need to be for the sake of the plot. Um, But to see and say, okay, this person is the way they are because they've been, um, you know, within the system and they have now learned like, you know, they had the worst part of themselves come out as a result of that exacerbated whatever evils were already inside of them. Um, I just felt like it made it much more realistic in a kind of chilling way, um, because you can just see like, I mean, people are doing that shit literally right now (laughs) in this Very country, right? So I'm not going to get political on this, but just to say, like, people follow systems.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think, and that's one thing that we mentioned a few times in previous episodes, and then, of course, I forgot to actually put it on the outline because I am dumb. But, like, this is a book in many aspects that, like, you can tell that Rebecca Roanhorse, being who she is, being somebody who is black and native and comes from mm-hmm. those different backgrounds could really be the only person to write a lot of these storylines, whether it's the colonialism aspects of Ryloth and kind of the collaborator versus resistance aspect of that government, and also with Brat and how he allows himself to be co-opted within the system. There's She puts a lot of herself and her knowledge of the world from you know her very specific and unique kind of intersection of what she's been able to see in her life into this and i think that's just such a value to understanding star wars because it really it fits here and it gives us this added insight
1: yeah i think even in in some positive ways too like when she talks about all the desert landscapes you can just tell her love of the desert. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't come from the desert. When I think about the desert, I don't think of it as this like beautiful scene. And, but she just writes it in this way that shows, you know, her own um, joy and love of, of that landscape and that ecosystem, um, which I just think is nice to have that additional personalization of everything, including a world, you know, including climate. Um, I thought she brought that really well too.
0: absolutely um I've been talking a lot Miranda <laughs> Rana, do you have any other lar- larger points that you want to talk about that you want to bring up
3: oh that's a good question um I <laughs> do I have thoughts who's to say uh there it's, it is... is too early to have thoughts to be fair. <laughs> I'm really fascinated by the Collective as a group um, in this book. And, you know, maybe this is something for, like, a a different episode. um, Just, like, on Star Wars as a whole. But this is... The Collective seems to be very much a third-party actor, right? Like, we think of Star Wars and it's, like, the Rebels against the Empire um you know the the separatists in the republic first order and the um the re- resistance the resistance <laughs> but you know here's this other group that's kind of coming in and really impacting both uh the resistance and the first order by like getting their hands on this like very you know, super special, top-secret document, um, In like, the, the power that they wield by being able to do that. Um, you know, they're definitely influencing it, and, like, they're taking money from a bunch of people and kind of bending the story of, like, that party to their will, in a way, that we haven't seen a whole lot. But that's also maybe me getting nerdy about political systems so who's to say
0: no i think think, no sargo um, rana i
1: was just gonna say i think you're right i felt that way about the um i've already forgotten their name i'm sorry but the group on ryloth and their Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. their like defense you know it it helps remind us that these things that we see and read about um they're not just happening in a giant universe right they're happening to individuals and cultures and um entire groups of people on these planets as an impact of, and the fact that they would not necessarily immediately want to risk their lives for the sake of the rebellion. Right. Like, um, I really appreciated that because it's nice to be able to see that, yeah, you know, life is going on in in some terrible ways for people while we're seeing this story. And, um, that's something I think of often in star Wars of like, Oh, we saw this thing crash onto a planet. Hope nobody was there. Um, and so to see, Oh no, there are real impacts. Um, was was nice, I think. Maybe not nice, but um, (laughs) added some dimension and some layering there uh, to to really build these other, like you said, third-party systems who are just trying to make things work for their people, keep their people safe, uh, and maybe don't want to be a part of the bigger war.
3: Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's that's exactly the thing, you know, it's like, we think that your cause is good, and like, obviously they support it at least a little bit, even if it's just supporting Leia, but like, there are bigger more pressing more pressing issues for us like we're trying to survive here we don't have the luxury of being able to focus on this larger war when danger is at our doorstep literally in this book they come to pew pew everybody um
0: (laughs) yeah and it's and that is actually one area where this book does feel more in sync with rise of Skywalker Skywalker, and one thing that I actually think Rise of Skywalker did well is this this issue of kind of the unaffiliated the just the people like you have obviously like the kind of uh climactic scene of the movie you have Lando bringing the galaxy fleet and the thousands of ships uh to fight the first order and you have kind of obviously that there are more of us line from zori and poe and lando but also the line from uh the two first order officers uh where um richard grant's character whose name i cannot remember um is like where did all these people come from like the resistance doesn't have a navy and his first officer says they're just people and it's it's kind of it's a really interesting view of like you know sure these people were Probably not thrilled with the First Order to begin with. Um, May not have liked the Empire, generally against fascism. um, But they needed to be moved. Like, they needed to get to that tipping point. And that's what the combination of Palpatine coming back with Lando, this famous, incredibly well-known, incredibly charismatic uh, character from their past, uh, asking them to get involved and really tipping the balance from one way to weigh the other in favor of the resistance
1: i think it's a point that comes up in rogue one repeatedly too right the idea that i mean i think that's one of the first star wars films where we see people literally caught in the crossfire of resistance movements and um in that instance the empire and i I think it is really um like you said there are tipping points right and it's it's nice to see i mean not nice but um It's a good reflection, I think, to to realize. I mean, everyone wants to think they'd be a rebel, right? But in reality, you'd probably be trying to make sure your family didn't get killed. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of layers to this that I think get smoothed over in the larger films. And it it is really interesting, um, like Miranda said, to have these third party folks who are just trying to get their shit done. Uh, Allegiant General Enric
0: Pride. Pride. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Could not, for the life of me. Is it spelled with a Y? Name.
1: For some reason, I feel like yes, it's like it is. Is. <laughs> such, a, yeah, such a sci-fi name. Classic villain name.
0: Um, But yeah, so like, and that is, that's one area where there it did feel like there was connection to, to, to the credit of J.J. J. Abrams, who we <laughs> have fairly been shitting on, but... <laughs>
1: One in a row. He's got millions of dollars. It'll be fine. It's not like he's listening to this.
0: That's how I always feel about people who, like, just stand these, like, very famous and very rich people. I'm like, they're they're fine. No one's taking their money back.
1: And frankly, like, if you're a content creator who's getting paid that much, you need to be able to take criticism if you somehow hear it. So Mm -hmm. you'll be all right.
0: (laughs) Exactly.
2: Um, Miranda, I don't want you to forget your point about um, having two functional parents in Star Wars.
3: Oh, that yes. was, I think that was Kate's point, but also. Oh,
2: great! I just assumed it was you. It but might have yeah, been. I'm I don't sure know. It was Kate. <laughs> I copied it, but um, I agree. So someone should explore that since I'm not on this podcast.
3: Yeah. So, and I mean, I think "functional" is maybe a strong word here, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, one of the things we do see in this book that's also different uh, for most other Star Wars things. There are two parents for Snap and his wife. Because his mom is still around. She marries Wedge. They have their little farm together. But they're both there. And they're both present. You know, like, obviously they're they're kind of all in this together like they were in the the days of the rebellion. (laughs) Uh, But um, we don't see it ever. And, like... I use functional loosely, like, Nora's still being Nora. You know, she's literally staring out the window. Except it's, when will my husband and I go to the war? Um. But, like, they they do parenting things. And they, you know, worry about, you know, Snap, they think about him. And it's just like, he has them in his life. Full we'll stop. It's it's a novel concept for our Star Wars.
0: Yeah, two alive parents is a rare commodity in Star Wars, to be sure.
3: Also, the fact that it's like Nora and Wedge and they're like kinda of functional, wild.
1: I love the thing of what are they Katie's, the chickens? Oh, I love it.
0: They're so good. All Wedge wants is to stay at home and take care of his chickens.
1: Yes, yeah, that's literally all he wants. <laughs> have some toast. That's it.
0: Best. Now but now he wow. now he can. Now the war's over and he can go back to Akiva. Just have It'll
3: I mean give Chris. them another thirty years. There'll be something. Um Chris, is this your point about
2: Rebecca Roanhorse liking all of Star Wars?
0: um i think it might have been kate's point but i can talk about it great <laughs> i am like there's so much in this outline that we're not know, talking we put about a lot, because, yeah we've skipped <laughs> around it's
2: all kate's i think so um or a lot of it was kate she was on our uh first uh three episodes of this so yeah we wanted to make sure that we carried her points that she had for the wrap-up through to the end even though she is trying to teach the children and <laughs> indeed is- and herself i
0: suppose um but yeah and this is honestly this is a good place to wrap it up and just kind of bookend our talk about this book is that one thing that just really comes through is how much rebecca roanhorse loves star wars (laughs) like she has obviously all of the deep cut original trilogy references she brought back general rykan from uh empire strikes back she brought back the, like weird eye patch alien that you only see in the background from return of the Jedi. Like she brought, but then she also brought back tons of book references with Nora and wedge, uh, obviously a continuation of the aftermath trilogy, lots of allusions to bloodline as we've talked about in the past. There's references to comics uh, in a lot of the Poe Dameron comics. This is kind of a direct um, sequel picks up right after where the Poe Dameron comic ends uh, and also Rebels and Resistance, where we get a lot of Ryloth. They talk about Cham Syndulla and Hera Syndulla. Um And they, ta- they mention Castellon, which is obviously the uh, setting of the first season of Star Wars Resistance. Like, she is just... Her, like, knowledge and love of Star Wars just really, like, oozes out through the page. And it's just, like, in a... I feel like Star Wars, like, kind of goes back and forth between, like, we're going to have, like, very, like, dry and, like, it's into- like kind of, like, Thrawn-like. And not to say that Tim Zahn doesn't love Star Wars because he does, but, like, he writes in such a way that it is very, like, in-universe, mm-hmm. like, from Thrawn's perspective. I do not have emotions and I am going, oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted by Kristen bouncing up and down with her Thrawn bobblehead.
3: He's our our favorite blue boy.
0: Sorry, what color is he, Miranda? He's blue. Um. I uh, don't want to ask. It's, yeah, don't don't ask. (laughs) I won't. Life is easier.
3: For more information, (laughs) listen to our Galaxy's Edge, A Crash of Fate episodes that were... uh, 128, 129?
0: Yeah, technically after this, even though they already aired. Um. Yeah, In which Miranda doesn't cha- understand how oh. colors work.
3: Yes,
2: I went and changed the numbers, by the way, <laughs> while we were d- sitting on this nice. podcast. So this will be episode something, 129, okay. right? Okay, fair. Is that right? Or something? It I don't know. It would
1: have it an interesting, like, not Star Wars, but Sci-Fi <laughs> Edge to be recording from the future, in the past, yeah, but it, also in the future for the past. so true. Very, time. Yes. Very clone
0: wars. <laughs> like very like you need a watching guide yeah. to get the <laughs> chronological order.
2: Oh my god, don't even talk about it. Anyway, also <laughs> um, very book wars pod for us to say episode one twenty seven and then by the end it'd be one episode one twenty nine, which is your mind. <laughs> yeah. Um
1: maybe next week it'll be one thirty, it's okay.
0: Exactly. Fine. Exactly. Just keeping everybody on their toes, you know. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah. like, it's just, it's nice to see, like, from, especially from a new author who hasn't written Star Wars in the canon before, just that love really come through. And, like, that feeling that Rebecca Roanhorse is a fan first, and she's a fan who's, like, a fucking good writer. And, like, we hope she writes more, but, like, she's just, like, a fan who's, like, really enjoying herself, and that's really great to see. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, she even puts it in her acknowledgement that she was excited to get to consume all things Star Wars with her family. Um, I'm sure that must have been a fun prep. Maybe less fun when it's your work, but...
0: Yeah. No, totally.
1: Yeah.
3: It it, it seems like she still had fun, though. Like, this, in, yeah. in a lot yeah. of ways, and, you know, Rana, you were talking about it earlier, like, her descriptions of the desert, you know, that part was a kind of a love letter to the desert, her description of it, but, like, this overall is a love letter to everything that Star Wars is. It's not just like Lando or, you know, the original trilogy. It's, like Chris said, everything. Like, there were throwaway lines, you know, referencing specific things that happened in other books that, like, I wouldn't have caught if I weren't on a podcast about Star Wars books. (laughs) But, like, you can tell that she's, like, just consumed so much because, why not? It's great. And it's, it's like a celebration of it. Um. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I agree. I feel like that's what we need in Star Wars these days. Like, the fandom is very Star Wars fandom. We just need more, like, happy like celebration of Star Wars moments.
1: Despite my earlier tone, I would agree with that statement. I know I, I add to that a loud voice sometimes. But, no, I agree completely.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, we do, too. We are all... We we are all Star Wars fans. This is this is our lot in life.
1: <laughs> I love all the memes of like Star Wars fans versus Lord of the Rings fans versus Song of Ice and Fire fans at different levels of chaos. That was great. Oh my god! Oh it's my So god. true. There
3: was a tweet going around. Was it this week? It was. It was a quote tweet situation, but it was a video of like this fight in the street. And oh the, yeah. Like, <laughs> with <your> hot takes. <laughs> it was like what take in star wars would start this fight any <laughs> anything i know
0: i i enjoy that i know <laughs> i i saw a lot of people being like anything because it's star wars fandom and i'm like you're not wrong <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: it's all right we know what we are exactly it's, okay. it's we, all
0: about self-awareness just like poe
3: we got confirmation in the rise of skywalker that Rey is snoke so <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're doomed yeah (laughs) alright that is a good place for us to wrap it up Uh, thank you all so much for listening to this episode number to be determined of the book wars pod Uh, remember to continue uh, isolating uh, wearing a mask but also protesting and uh, fighting the good fight for everybody in this country who needs it uh, for black folks indigenous folks people of color who are victims of police brutality Uh, our next episode is probably going to be our wrap up on a crash of fate, um, slightly to be determined there, but our next book after that is going to be Shadowfall by Alexander Freed, the next book in the Alpha Squadron trilogy. So get excited for that and go ahead and, if you want to read along with us, get that book from your local indie bookstore or, uh, indie online website thing. That's how the internet works. Um. (laughs) In the meantime, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. Email us at bookwarspod at gmail.com uh, and rate, review, and subscribe to both us and the Tashi Station Radio mega feed. It is the best way to help people discover the show. Um, as we have been doing for the past couple months, please don't donate to us on Patreon or Coffee right now. Please give to your favorite racial justice organization, whether that's local or if you don't have any local ones that you are familiar with or love, some great ones that are in the news right now are the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition uh, that uh, is doing the amazing work of paying off the uh, fines that felons in Florida know to get their voting rights back. Um, Really fantastic work there. Also, the Louisville Community Bail Fund uh, doing the equally fantastic work of helping protesters and other people who have been uh, unfairly arrested and are uh, held hostage by the predatory bail system in the United States. Um, And also a note on national organizations, we've talked about in the past how there can be some predatory organizations even at a time like this. Um, We have seen online some people talk about the Bail Project, um, which is a national nonprofit. Apparently, there is some sketchy stuff going on there with how they spend their money, and they are not as involved in Louisville as they claim to be for people on the ground. So, always remember to do your due diligence for making donations, particularly to a big national organizations. Um, if you are somebody who wants to make direct political donations during this time, instead of community uh, nonprofits, um, instead of giving to uh, somebody like Amy McGrath in Kentucky who is getting tons of Uh, Coverage for a race that she is in all likelihood not going to win. And also, you know, we 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 love not voting against Trump Many people love Biden. He's fine Um, But instead of voting uh, donating directly to Biden who has an ungodly amount of money. There are three Senate races uh, Really great campaigns being run by black people uh, To take back the Senate who are not getting attention and where your money can go a lot further Mike Espy in Mississippi Reverend Raphael Warnock in Georgia and Jamie Harrison in South Carolina are three phenomenal campaigns to give your direct donation to as well. Um, We also finally have uh, a winner to our raffle because I opened the document anyway, so we're just going to do it now. Um, We definitely didn't re-record this outro for technical reasons. Not us. Don't know her. but uh, our raffle, thank you so much, first of all, to everybody we, uh, who uh, raised over $130 for great causes from Black Lives Matter National, Black Lives Matter Los Angeles, specifically uh, Black Girl Code, Dream Defenders, Liberty Hill, which is a Southern California uh, tenant's rights organization. Um, just some really phenomenal organizations that people gave money to and sent us receipts. Thank you so much. And our raffle winner is at tie underscore Dandy, friend of the pod. Uh, who gave money to BEAM, the Black Emotional and Mental Health Collective, which is a phenomenal organization as well. Thank you so much, Daniel. Um, we will be in touch about getting you your prize pack. And, of course, as we wrap up, Rana, thank you again so much for joining us. We have loved having you.
1: Thank you. It was so much fun. I you know, really appreciated the experience.
0: And you can find her on Twitter at rana Lapine. Our theme song is "Whizbang" by Poddington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joby Terror Design. And our audio production are done, as always, by Kristen Cerisi. For Miranda, Kristen, Rana, and Kate, I'm Chris. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Book Wars Pod. And we'll talk to you next week.